into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Not God Bless America. God damn America. That's in the Bible for killing innocent people. God damn America for treating us citizens as less than human. God damn America. As long as she tries to act like she is God and she is a Friday night. Crack a can. Mm-mm. Mm, settle in. You feeling good? Are you talking to me or the listener? I'm asking anyone who will answer okay, me. Okay, fine. Um, yeah, I am just like, the, as the listener should do, if they are sitting down, is um, fluctuate the weight between each bun on your butt. Yeah. Get settled. Don't, don't, go, don't let it go to sleep. <clears throat> Don't let that caboose off the rails. That is such a weird feeling because the only thing you can really do is slap yourself or have someone else slap your ass when it falls asleep. You know, it's the only like pragmatic use for that. Kind of a um, Sophie's choice situation. Yeah. Um, Have you ever have you ever had someone do that? Slap my ass? Yes, many times. You have? Okay. I, you know, I'm sitting on, uh, I don't know if I still would be sitting on it. Interesting metaphor to use here. But I could have sued my former employer for probably a lot of money for slapping me on the ass. Really? Was yeah. it Was it a cougar type woman? It was a you man. Have a, okay. Because I have a what now? You have a history with a certain clientele who yeah. <laughs> repeatedly ends up slapping your ass. But yeah, what kind of man are we talking like a gym coach sort of fella? Yeah, it's just kind of like a broy, jovial guy. It was uh, like a restaurant owned by brothers and he was the younger brother and slapped me on the ass and it didn't bother me. But then I thought about it and it was like, oh, oh, I could, I make could bank from sue this. you. Yeah. <laughs> I could take your money. Yeah, some people don't like being touched. Uh, I remember this comic I didn't know that well came on my weekly show and kind of bombed. And I was trying to cheer him up and I was like shaking him by the shoulders. And I was like, we'll get him next time, buddy. And he was like, don't touch me. And like flipped out. And I was like, Jesus, okay, I guess I don't know you that well. Yeah, there are times when I've, it depends on what mood you're in, you know, like once an old woman tapping on the shoulder, Actually, when I was delivering food and I had to I politely but sternly was like, please don't touch me. And she was like, take it aback because, you know, I think uh, everyone is different. That everyone's way. different. There's everyone no, is different. There's no rule. You can't just go touch people. In my opinion, and right. that's welcome to the show. Everybody, it's Alex and Andrews on Friday night. Touching nothing but your eardrums. Not that kind of show. We're not ASMR yet. Although ASMR can't do that, can it? It can't actually like feel your body. No, that's something else. I remember. Um, n- no, yeah, yeah. Go on. There was a Star Trek audio cassette tape I got from the library when I was like nine. I swear to God, this happened. I don't know if it how it was possible, but I could swear to God it happened. It was like Next Generation Star Trek. So Picard era and um it threw its own voice like through technology the tape it was audio cassette tape pretty sure it was not a cd but an audio cassette thing it was like making things sound like they were coming from different parts of my room what why would somebody make that because they're a genius it's like surround sound for your for your room i guess so i don't know why i didn't take off and why they're doing more of that stuff but it was really cool yeah, I mean, they have that with headphones, 3D audio. I mean, not to plug so early in the show, but uh, the hit audio drama Theater of Delights makes use of this oh, wow. feature with by sliding some of the sounds to the left side of your ear and others to the right. Interesting. Although I guess that's just 2D audio, isn't it? Yeah. Wait, uh, so what happens if you're only listening with one headphone? Uh, you're missing a lot. Okay. You're missing a lot. It's going to sound like somebody is like kind of yelling at you from far away. That's my kind of fucking podcast, man. 
yeah, it does add urgency to it, I guess. Well, this is going to be kind of a, a, a loose hangout style episode of a show. Um, I, for one, am very tired. Don't say that. We'll fool them. Okay. I've this never felt more alive. Intensive look. Anders culture definitely and does not have COVID. <laughs> there's, there's no chance. I don't. Does my, my voice sounds different. Yeah, dude, you sound fucked up a little bit, and you also okay. the cough sounds bad. But yeah, that could be anything, yeah, including COVID. Yeah, 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 and it may be COVID. But um, and I went off my medication, uh, or I'm going off, tapering off, and it um made that makes you tired. And I was right. I got very tired today, and maybe that was it. But it maybe I mean, I guess it depends on your medication. The texture. I can never remember the fucking names, but should we read our medications on this episode? <laughs> Just go to the uh, the go to the bathroom, come back. I'll read a bottle. You read a bottle. Um, I if you're know. a bonus subscriber, I'll start reading you my wife's medication. I feel like that's bonus content. Yeah, yeah. all of it. I don't want people knowing what. Uh, actually, I, I don't. Yeah, a lot of that's fan service. Um. But the point is, anything goes here. It's kind of a safe space. It's a fun space. And the reason why, no Jake Flores. Because a lot of the time, he is the one keeping us kind of like, keep your nose in the newspaper, stay focused on the news. And it's like, Jake, we're trying to hang out, man. Yeah, dude. He's always like, he asks us uh, seven times a day what article we've read in the past uh, hour. Right. He's always asking what books I've read by women this year. And it's like, I just, I can only answer so many times. I don't read that fast. Yeah. Still just uh, Sue Zorman. Still Sue Zorman again. That's Naomi Klein because as it has been for three months, again, not not going through these books quick enough. Oh, you're reading a Klein? I mean, I haven't in a while, but I remember... Somebody pop quizzed me with that a few years ago, and I had just finished a Naomi Klein book, and I'm like, I'm such an ally. I'm Ooh. flying through all the tests. I'm ready for the for the pop quiz. I'm ready to take off my logos. I haven't read no logo, but <sighs> I get the uh, gist. But I'm not gonna read it by this point. Yeah, is that wrong to say? Like it's been 20 years. Everyone's just told me what the book's about. <laughs> yeah, it's. Here's the thing. I and I feel like I probably said this before the podcast. Apologies. But I after I read that in high school, I did put like tape and draw X's over the logos that were on my clothing. Um, yeah. And then starting to realize that's not well, here's the thing. It is a good analysis. <clears throat> I will say that's kind it's of like, like adding holistic. your own logo to the logo. That's the thing. And that's kind of the conundrum she gets trapped in. And she I give her a lot of credit because uh, apparently after that book came out, the no the no logo logo was so effective and popular that some guy tried to go into business with her and like sell like gym bags. No one was reading this book. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone was getting gists from a friend and they're like, I think she'd be in to go in on a gym bag business. Why not? Yeah. Money is money. Right. But she said like, Look, you it's a college in- inevitable. professor. You can't have that much money. Come on. <laughs> right. But she at the time, she's like, well, it's inevitable that I'm going to become a brand, even though I'm taking on brands. I'm going to be subsumed by it. And no logo is going to become a brand. But what I can do is make sure it's a crappy brand. Right. Which credit to her in the framework that she'd worked out. That's that's a really principled stand. However, I think we have moved on culturally from right. the late 90s, early 2000s. And there's nothing, and we realized, I I have anyway, that there's nothing inherently wrong with brands. It's capitalist brands that are bad. Mm. You could have socialist brands, you know, that are trying I to- I would like to play as Naomi Klein in the next Super Smash Brothers, if possible. Yeah, I mean, if it was all socialized and you change everything, you know. No, I want the rest of the guys who are usually there, too. I just also want Naomi Klein. What would her move be? She shakes her damn head at, like, Sonic the Hedgehog. She writes a book about it. Yeah, I don't they I mean they've already given like the Wii trainer a character. They could give her something to do. Like she trips and falls and her glasses fall off and they hit you or something, or like uh 
Um, she she monitors climate. Maybe she has a climate change based oh. um, ultimate smash. You know, like a big wave comes. Yeah. Uh, when somebody says no, somebody like folds their arms and they're like, no, no, she yells at them and hits them and says, not enough. Not enough. Yeah. No, she's able enough. to spot when a character changes everything. Right. This changes everything. And just every, <laughs> everyone gets yeah. like thrown around and throttled and lose half the oh, health. Oh, points. you killed Mario with that. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Naomi Klein has eight stock left. But if I could, I, I should actually clarify because I can already hear the bad faith boogers oh, getting so in my nose of them. I'm so and tired in my of them. ears. And saying Anders Lee thinks socialists should sell out. Should sell out by brands. I don't mean capitalist brands. I mean if you are a movement and you want people to join an organization and fight for cause, you need coherence. You need some sort of symbols, symbology. Yeah, just call it a brand. It's fine. It's a brand. There's nothing wrong with that inherently. I've started reading the Da Vinci Code this week. I wanted to catch up on modern culture, so I started the Da Vinci Code, and I'm learning a lot about symbols so give me a week or two and we can really go into some religious symbols and maybe how they affect socialism and how they're part of socialist politics symbols yeah it it was always fun to me how the that's the guy's job right tom hanks yeah he's mr two damn symbols he like looks at the pentacle and he's like that's venus's rotation in the heavens right his job is to just look up logos from all sorts of you know historical periods kind of the anti-naomi klein if you think about it (laughs) that's actually what she wanted to write no logo about was tom hanks (laughs) his character the vinci code the cult of opus day and yeah (laughs) they're self-flagellating uh agents was that banned at your school da vinci code because you would have been in catholic school when it came out right um well i never read it read it because i kind of like from the get-go was like this seems like it's for nerds or whatever but um no, the only thing I remember specifically being banned from like that that came out when I think when I was in middle school, like around middle school time, things that were getting banned was like you can't bring a Ouija board into school. And uh, yeah. I've covered this on the show before. My religion teacher would have people bring in their Ouija board and then just steal it from them and hide it somewhere. Wow. <laughs> so as to seal the demons away. Wow. And so they so they're not unleashed. They worked. Oh, yeah. Damn. And it'd be fucked up if they do. I'm not even ruling out that they work. I mean, we're all into the Ouija board for one reason or the next. Yeah, we're all going to get called up by someone by some Ouija board at some point. We're all going to get called by some Ouija board. My school would not let us be uh, anything evil for Halloween because they believed in evil. Right. And you were a clown. (laughs) Well, yeah. I think they are did not. Uh, well, yeah, I think you could be a clown, but you couldn't be like an it clown. So if you're too creepy. Yeah, well, the it clown and this is its own whole own episode, but he is not really a clown, is he? <laughs> He's kind of, you know, mostly a spider monster. Right. Like the stuff he does that's clown stuff is only scary because it's deceptive before he does the spider monster stuff. It's not that, oh no, he's going to honk me with water or whatever. That's just mm. a fun added bonus. That's aesthetic. Honk me on the water. That's go. right. <laughs> honk me on the water. Well, you know, another character that our children may be going to school as from their favorite TV show is Hillary Rodham Clinton. Or Hillary Rodham. Or Hillary Rodham in her new hit series, Rodham, which has now just been removed from uh, the upcoming schedule for Hulu. Hulu has said, we've just we've turned against it. This is a 2020 project that is just now getting the can. Uh, it was going to be Claire Danes and Dakota Fanning as Hillary Clinton at, at different ages. And in How alternate- old is Dakota Fanning now? She must. She's like forty. Uh, she was like the little girl twenty years ago. No, but I think she's like you know how some people just look one age forever. Yeah, really. I mean, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So Wallace Shawn came out of the womb like that. 
Yeah, hold on. I'm Dakota Fanning now. I know she has. She's 28. I, she's not 40. Okay. How Damn. old do you think you are? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to think about it. Honestly. I wonder if she's going to be like Wellesley College, uh, Hillary. But in the show, she was going to date Bill, but then decide, like, whoa. Getting some bad signs from this guy kind of yeah. seems like he would traffic children. Right. Wow. That's <laughs> and... what he is like. <laughs> it's so funny because that like, I mean, that part did happen. And then she was like, and we're going to be a great team. I think that we'll uh, do a lot of schemes together. Yeah. This is essentially like a television product that's like, hey, what if I was a better person? And what if that's a TV <laughs> show? <laughs> right. <laughs> God damn. Um, yeah, it's fun. So they filmed it already and they just it was going to be on there and then they just decided not to. Is that what happened? Uh, I don't know how far down the pipe it got here. Uh, there was a this is a, like this was going to be the follow up project after the Hillary docuseries in 2020, which I think we all remember. We know, know and love that one. Um, I think it was pretty pro. I don't think they actually got into the thick of it, but there's. I mean, this is 100% something we would have ended up covering for the podcast. So I'm like, I have mixed feelings about it not coming to light and that mm. <laughs> it wouldn't have been fun to watch, but it would have been fun to kind of talk about. And one thing I'm I'm missing is like, we would have gotten to watch Hillary Clinton have sex at every different stage of her life and kind of... That's what the show was Graphic her progress. Well, I mean, like, it's a real... St- it's like a real drama story on Hulu. There's going to be some sex. And I assume we're going to like watch it and like full fuck level throughout time. Okay. Uh, so we would have seen Bill's crooked one and she would have been, Oh, that maybe that was the decision that she saw his crooked penis. And was yeah, like, was I can't like, be with this man. With all respect, Bill, it's time to straighten up. <laughs> she I says, mean, and then she leaves him for like a guy on a motorcycle or something. It is a bit interesting that she would co-sign that this thing about. Well, did she? I, I just assume everything that is about her is, you know, signed off on. By I would her, assume but. she is all for it. Uh, I mean, her career compared to um, her post politics career compared to Barack Obama's is really interesting because all of her media has been about her in some way as like a famous victim or as a uh, universally wronged woman, which I could yeah. see if uh, you were an old narcissist, that being just what you need to see. But Barack Obama's gone the other way with it. He has a like a, a planet Earth style show about America's parks where he's right. like, look at it. There's a there's a giraffe. Isn't that nice? <laughs> we have those in our national still, parks now. Thanks we, to <laughs> I personally made sure there would be a giraffe. I'm Barack Obama, and this is a draft. <laughs> he, yeah, I mean, that's the end of his closest to in a way. This is the the, the uh, precursor to his next show, Barack Obama's Giraffes. Every type of giraffe covered by Barack Obama. Oh, wow, that's that a would nice. be sick. I would love to watch them have sex. So that much Hillary. neck, I feel like I'm looking at Michelle. God damn! Do you know what noise she's giving make? me? Neck. What? Do you know what noise they make? What noise? Nothing. They don't make a noise. Okay. Giraffes? Yeah. They're silent. They don't have vocal. I don't. Is I that, they don't have vocal cords. That can't be true. Why would they not have vocal cords? Because it's such a long neck. Why would God waste that much? Uh, I feel like you could really get that thing vibrating. Um, but I don't think they need to. I think they just need it to be long and to eat. Off of right. trees. I don't so... think this is true. Uh, th- I'm clicking. There's a video I'm finding on YouTube called Giraffe Sounds on Kidopedia. Maybe they're ass. Why would they sounds? not have vocal cords? Maybe they have. I've just heard that they don't um, orally make sound. They have snorts, coughs, and hisses, it says. Uh, well, yeah, they have throats and they have mouths, <laughs> but they don't like like that's what i yeah. someone asked me once what sound does a draft make and i was like and they're like no right they don't make any sound anyway well, i hope that's a topic that's explored on barack <laughs> obama's upcoming docuseries giraffes giraffe town 
2024. <laughs> Welcome to Giraffe Town. I'm Barack Obama. What if it's like jackass style and he's like riding them? Or like <laughs> he puts like every, Sasha on his shoulders and climbs just, up one of the nets. Hey, do you think I can ride this giraffe? Because I can. I'm Barack Obama. This is riding a giraffe. Oh, shit. Oh, wow. I'm up there. <laughs> Someone got to help me down. Yeah. Someone got to help me down. I'm like 12 feet off the ground. <laughs> With this Hillary show, the Rodham show, I have to say yeah. I'm a bit disappointed in of, of all the counterfactuals. That's what you're going like. I feel like maybe it's more interesting than what she really did. Kind of. I don't know what she would do. She's probably the same stuff. This right? is only this is the mess- only thing I know about it. Anders is instead of she runs for president in 2016, but instead of against Donald Trump, it's against Bill Clinton. Really? So she's a her arch nemesis. I think he's a Republican is kind of if you were going to write live like this is a novel that they're turning into a show. Right. So if you were going to write like live lib uh, romance fiction or whatever this is, Bill's the bad guy. He's a Republican. Mm. He's also in Slytherin, which is part of that's real in the book. Slytherin is real like the other ha- magic You're isn't kidding. real, but Slytherin's real. No. And Bill Clinton's in the house and he's like, what? <laughs> How can that be? I I have to assume. Oh, okay. I thought you were reading this from the article. They put me in the sorting hat. Yeah. Uh, I actually the sorting hat and the hat's yelling at me. It's telling me that I'm I'm a <laughs> fucked up dude with a crooked dick. <laughs> so I saw a play a few years ago before COVID, called uh, uh, Hillary and Clinton. It was. On Broadway or off Broadway, same thing at this point. The sheer volume of Hillary media is out of control. (laughs) There's a lot of it. Apparently, William Gibson wrote a book that came out recently in which she is the president. It's not like the main, you know, uh, premise of the book, but it is something that is happening. The neuromancer Um, guy? Yeah. And as far as I know, that's the only like media that's tackled that question. All the other what ifs are so lame. Like it's. This thing you're telling me, what if she didn't marry Bill? And then the play I saw, which I kind of respect in a way, and I'll give it away. Spoiler alert. I don't know if it's ever going to run again, but if you want to read it or something, this is what I I mean. It was they were played by um, God. What's her name? Lori Metcalf did actually a wonderful job as as Hillary. Lori's involved. Bill Clinton was played by, I kid you not, John Lithgow. Hmm. And guess and his I'll put it this way. His Bill Clinton is a lot like my giraffe is a lot like someone's giraffe impression in that he didn't do one. <laughs> He's just hissing at the camera. Yeah. <laughs> Making chortling noises. <laughs> he just interpretation. Bill Clinton does not have vocal cords. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it was close to that. I'm sure they considered that. I don't know whose decision this was. But he made no effort whatsoever to sound Southern, to do any kind of accent whatsoever. And either that from that was um, a choice from the jump or there was like a few weeks of rehearsal where John Lithgow was trying to do a Bill Clinton. And it just sounded like, you know, just bizarre sound. And so they were like, you got to focus on other aspects of the character here, man. Um, let's do the thing it. about Bill Clinton. I feel like as impressions go, is one where it's just like, just have fun with it. Yeah, it doesn't matter how close you get, just have fun with it. That's really what he's about is fun. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but me, me and Max Ogle always do Bill Clinton doing rap lyrics. Okay, on give the, me one. I'm the man of the year, titties, ass, hands in the air, bounce. I just finished my second lunch, what we call a slunch lunch um but this play had no uh basically um the the premise of it had no bill clinton impression so i was disappointed about that but uh the premise of it was another counterfactual thing it takes place during the 2008 primary when bill clinton goes around saying racist stuff about barack obama that we've conveniently kind of memory hold um and Hillary Clinton cries. And there's just like some 
like minor tweak that she makes to her campaign. And that's it. She just her making one minor. I don't even remember what it is. That's how insignificant it was. But she makes one minor tweak to her campaign and it does not affect the outcome. That's what they chose for the counterfactual. And it made everyone else in the audience furious because they came to see a play about what if Hillary Clinton was president, right? Oh, Um, yeah. And the playwright is like, I'm not going to give you that. I'm not here to make friends. Right. I'm going (laughs) to give you another totally. I'm going to remind you that she ran for president a a time before and one you probably feel more ambivalent about now. It sounds like a play you wrote. (laughs) <laughs> kind of, yeah i wouldn't just be a this, random counterfactual from like 12 years ago that no one's talking about <laughs> right but i would be i think a little more grand with my counterfactuals like um but the point of the, the, the that laurie metcalf actually breaks the fourth wall and at the end is like there are like thousands of different little coins that you flip every day and it's very possible that very few of them actually lead to any kind of different outcome. So you just kind of have to accept life as it is. And that's oh, a that's very beautiful in the way it is, but it's a hard pill for liberals to swallow and a hard pill for anybody to swallow. It was just that's liberals were the, that, that particular target. They them. were the ones swallowing the pill. Yeah, they were. The, and you know what? On Friday night, you could talk about the power of art. Do you speaking of Friday night? Do you hear polka music in the background? I do not. Do you hear polka music in the background? It just started playing for some reason in the other room. What's your uh, rating of the polka music? Well, it's like polka. Is it well performed? Oh no, it's salsa. It's like polka salsa. That's those are not similar to me. But it, excuse me, just one second. You're not going to be able to show me the polka. Hey Google, stop. any shit what Um, was google doing it just started playing polka salsa i don't know what it heard from me that indicated that i wanted to hear that but you know i think you have like a fever of 104 right now (laughs) you just started hallucinating no it was real listeners the salsa was real well, moving on, uh, there's we, we like to have fun around here, but there's some serious stuff going on in the world. Uh, yeah. Finland has applied for NATO membership, which is, if you remember the recent conflict in Ukraine, kind of an under-the-radar little news blip is a lot of what that was about. So that's pretty relevant to foreign policy heads but it sounds like uh so in order to get into nato you need all of the member states on board and turkey is not giving it to them because erdogan claims they're a uh, state that harbors they harbor terrorists like uh, members of the gulanists or uh the gulanists supporters of the y ypg or uh, pkk Oh, do they? Okay. Interesting point, Erdogan. From what I've read about NATO history, it's the last 20 years have mostly been like Turkey fucking around and people being like, man, I can't can't believe we let Turkey in here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not that close to the North Atlantic, um, if we're being honest. Is it? I don't think so. There's a lot of no. countries in there that just kind of got, you know. After your El Salvador gaffe on the bonus, I don't trust your geography facts anymore. Someone confronted me about that in person tonight, <laughs> actually. You did correct yourself on the episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but um, it's funny. North Atlantic, I feel like, you know, how uh, sometimes it becomes, people say it's incumbent upon um, Jewish people who are supposed to do um, birthright to sort of renounce it. And, and I, you know, respect that if, if they do that. Um, Would you go on birthright if they asked you? Now? That's what I'm thinking about now. Should NATO, what if NATO did a North Atlantic birthright? So if you're a North Atlantic person, okay. and that is my ethnicity is North Atlantic. Uh, what would it be? You know, would you meet up in Iceland and just like watch terrible art movies and eat do you, you want, know, do you want to get a really cold hand job 
<laughs> it's my understanding of what happens on birthright. A lot of HJs. Yeah, but of, I, well, I, I mean, actually, everybody there's got hands. In the North Atlantic, I guess so. No, I mean, it, yeah, I or wherever, I guess, but. <laughs> um, but it's funny that Finland was is because when I heard that, I was like, it's because it's Finland and Sweden, right? That are talking about it. Right. Uh, and I was like, hell yeah. The Norskis, the Norwegians, we don't even fucking consider that. That's not even on the table. And then I looked it up and it was like, oh, yeah, because they've been in NATO for like ever. Yeah. Um, but it's because it's funny because they're in the in NATO, but not the EU. And that's why people get mixed really? up. Really? Me. That's yeah. wild. They have some like arrangement where which is what uh, Corbyn was proposing, kind of was like a Norwegian style Ooh. relationship with the EU. Um, we have an arrangement, but yeah, bad news for anybody. I joined NATO and you can fuck my wife, <laughs> but obviously Finland, very bad candidate. IMHO because they have a border with Russia. They have a literal border with yeah. Russia and have had like five wars with them in the last 100 years. <laughs> it seems like uh, well, the next day will be nuclear Armageddon if they get in there. But uh, yeah, I don't know that in terms of um, how the war is going on Russia's side, I think that the actual blowback from the Ukraine conflict would push any like next uh, uh, escalation a few years down the line. But I mean, folks, a few years before the uh, reign of fire is not great news to have. So shout out to Tayyip Erdogan. <laughs> You're this Erdogan. week's real ass dude of the week. <laughs> I mean, yeah, um, it's it's an interesting week for sort of uh Strange bedfellows, if you will, or or the worst guy you know making a great point. Mm. Um, Erdogan over there, and over here, we got Senator Rand Paul. Great segue, uh, Randall Paul. Anders Is his name Randall? Top segue. Segue. Thank you. He is putting a hold on this forty billion dollar package that the U.S. wants to send over to Ukraine and. It's there's good stuff. I'm not going to, you know, uh, be sweeping about it. There's some good stuff in the package, uh, some assistance here and there, economic assistance, agricultural assistance, shit like that. Uh, agricultural assistance, I believe, to make up for what Ukraine usually produces. Right. For other parts of the world. Along um, with, you know, roughly thirty five billion dollars in yes. life reaping machines that will appear and then disappear. Yeah, various black markets in Europe. Right. It's just, yeah, a lot of gasoline for a hot, hot fire. And it's, uh, you know, an uncomfortable. And call me crazy about this one. And maybe this is my ignorance speaking. Keeping somewhat up with the Ukraine conflict doesn't seem like they are missing weapons. Like, doesn't seem like that's really the basis of the problem. Seems mostly like it's that they're, uh, fighting a former world superpower in a land war deep into their country. Well, yeah. And the thing that I think bears repeating is that, you know, I'm not calling for the U S to do nothing. There is a very clear thing, decisive tack that the U S could take. And that Stop is tanking the peace negotiations. Yeah. Set up a peace negotiation broker one. All those ones done. in China, everyone agreed to do that. You said they couldn't do for no right. reason and then sent them more weapons like a psychopath. Yeah, because the goal is not to liberate Ukraine. It's not. They don't really care about that. They'll put the the blue and the yellow and, uh, you know, they'll do their Goodyear blimps flying around. Um, but what they really want is for Goodyear Russia blimps. to get bogged down in a another uh, quagmire. They want this to just drain Russia of uh, economic and military resources. And so they will have, it's not really about Russia. Ultimately, it's about China. Um, the U.S. Yeah. wants a confrontation with China. I don't know if that confrontation I'm using uh, loosely there because um, I don't know if a, a war is on the horizon, but they want to have more military um 
you know, what's the word external? They want a, a more of a military presence toward China. They want China to feel threatened. Right. Right. And if Russia is distracted and with this shit show, then they can do that. So that's what they're trying to accomplish. What's the word I'm looking for? Again, I am very tired. Force. Pre- presentation force progression demonstration um no it's not i'm i'm missing the second word here but uh it's to essentially uh make yourself known over right. there and uh make them have to deal with so you see we're competing for the 21st century and only yes. one country is going to bring home the gold at the only end of the day win. and uh that is the official line of the White House, and uh, these psychopaths are going to kill us all. But to take the conversation back a step, something you said earlier about the, the Goodyear blimp flying into Ukraine. Did you know, and this is a true fact, and this is useful no matter, no matter where you are in your life, there are only 25 blimps in the world left. Really? Yeah. I think they're very large and... Uh, resource intensive and require extensive maintenance. And um, they're just not worth having unless as a novelty, you are use them for advertising. So there's like the Goodyear blimp, the MetLife blimp. Hmm. Um, I've always wanted to be in a blimp as it's flying. <laughs> well, your odds are low as there's only 25 yeah. of them. There's a ton in the DC universe. Whenever you read about, whenever you, you know, Read a comic in Gotham or Metropolis. There's always blimps flying around, but that's about it. Um, but they seem ex- especially vulnerable to the kind of attacks experienced in Metropolis and Gotham. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's a recipe for disaster, actually. To send them More than in real life. There. Yeah. Maybe that's Maybe why. I mean, I think it's a spectacle thing because there are people who probably have to pay a lot of money to get in those blimps and they want to be up there sort of for the thrill so they can see battles happening around them. Right. Yeah. It would be a real rush to be in a blimp. And I wish I was in one as well. If uh, any of our listeners are blimp people, take us for a ride. Any, and you can be any size or shape and be a blimp person. You don't have to be shaped like a blimp. To be into blimps. That's one specific kind of guy. It's actually not to be fat phobic, but probably would be, you know, uh, a problem if you were too blimp like and wanted to be on a blimp. Right. Well, I feel like a blimp is not inherently the way that you would consider an obese person. An obese person is probably rounder than a blimp is. I'm looking at this photo of the Goodyear blimp right now. Goodyear blimp, if it was a man. What, like a half uh, a husky six two or something? Just like a long oval, oval, ovuloid. Ovular. Ovular shape. Yes. And it's bringing a lot to the table, but also kind of seems like it's like it's full of fluid, like it's packing. It turns out it's full of gas, but I mean if it was a man, it would be fluid, wouldn't it? I guess so. Um yeah. Thank you. They- a blimp, yeah, that's, you know, it's kind of like when people say eat like a bird. You eat like a bird. Birds actually eat a lot. Uh, pigs that's a fact. Blood. You know, there's a lot of stuff. If you if you're look like a blimp, then that means you're ovular and uh, strong. And strong, too. So a lot of good things about blimps. That's right. um, what else are we talking about tonight? What else is on the agenda? Well, there has been some controversy that um, I guess we should address whether or not uh, this proves because all six members, I think it's six at this point of the squad of the, mm. some called the hashtag fraud squad have voted for this package. Uh, does this prove that they are in fact a fraud squad? What do you think? Um, well, I wish they didn't vote for it. I recognize there is probably some sort of behind the scenes deal making going on that renders like I can't imagine Rashida Talib just sending this one out, no questions asked. Uh, but yeah, I mean, no matter what, um, 
negotiating they're doing, it doesn't look, it doesn't feel great to be, you know, a socialist who's, you know, works to elect these kinds of people and then have them send $60 billion or $40 billion of weapons to Ukraine. Yeah. While we have like an uh, infant fluid shortage <laughs> and right. the economy may be crashing due to ape business. You know, it feels yeah. like there's stuff we could be doing here that isn't weapon construction. Oh, yeah. That's uh, so too much of our economy even today. Um, yeah, well, do, it's there's no. Do you defend- know anything about this behind the. These behind the scenes deals? I, I don't. I assume there are some, but I, I mean, even if there aren't, I think it's just looking at it objectively. I would assume that um, they're well, maybe they actually believe. And I mean, if there aren't, they, they should have voted no. <laughs> right. I, it well, feels bad to have the left flank of American politics covered by Marjorie Taylor Greene and Rand Paul. Right. No. Yeah, they definitely should have voted no. Um, the question, you know, I don't, I don't know if it matters that much, but did they actually believe in it or are they just thinking about the backlash they would get in media? Um, and if there is no, you know, uh, support structure to weather that, uh, torrential downpour. I know. Um, I mean, that's a bad excuse if that's what it is. I mean, the the backlash for following your conscience on a vote is, is an opportunity to present your politics to a larger audience. And if these are, you know, in theory, socialist politicians, we should be agitating to move this window and yeah, no, I agree in the consensus there. So I I can't imagine that's it. Right. Well, I'm not, I I mean, I I don't think it matters. You know, the, what matters is how we handle it. Right. And there has to be a process where we make it clear that this is not our position on the socialist movement, as has been done, right? DSA took a lot of heat that uh, we uh, that hasn't destroyed us. It hasn't killed us. Didn't make us weaker. Made us stronger. I think uh, during when this conflict began, when we said that NATO should be abolished, when the the uh, I believe it was the National Political Committee as well as the International Committee both released statements saying yeah. we don't believe in NATO. And basic the, the leftist White House. position, right? Basic leftist position, but the Bi- uh, Biden White House staffer, forget who it was, but uh, they, you know, singled us out, singled DSA out with that from that statement. It was like this is atrocious and yada yada yada. But we stuck to our guns on that. And yeah, well, the, wouldn't you argue that's? You could argue that that's positive, right? To be yeah. given a platform on that level. I mean. If you don't co-sign anything the White House is doing, the fact that they are listing you as one of their enemies solidifies your identity as such. Right. Yeah, no, I think uh, and we have I mean, that's just part of a a broader conversation, too, is how do you what are the how do we develop accountability mechanisms for elected officials? Some people say you can't in both directions. Some people say that's why electoral politics isn't worth it. And then other people will say, well, yeah, what are you going to do? Um, we got to keep doing this. But I think there is a way there's a way to do it. Uh, but as far as like fraud squad, right, um, that's I think sort of betrays like a a bit of a liberal perspective on politics. If you're counting on someone to just be in there and be infallible. Right. Because I'm sure a lot of people who are saying that now voted for Bernie both times, campaigned for Bernie and don't regret that. But he has just as much blood on his hands, if not more. He voted for the Iraqi Liberation Act in 1998, which set the groundwork for the Iraq war. He voted for to go into Kosovo, Bosnia. Uh, These are just the realities of really not just electoral politics, but dealing politically with the world as it exists there's going to be shitty you know uh hey man i can understand why if you are the politician you would make this decision but right. the difference between bernie sanders and the, these four people are bernie sanders is not a uh dues paying member of dsa he is not supposed to be representing the organization. I know it's not a formal party that's running candidates and they're not formal mm-hmm. DSA candidates, but that is the role they are sort of filling 
on the level they're playing at and the fact that we have no control over them is a glaring weakness for our movement. Uh, I totally get why people are mad at them right now. And I think maybe they deserve a little bit of that anger. Yeah, no, I think they should be be criticized. And I think they should be asked about it and asked to account for it. And and we but we have to, like, come up with a way to prevent this from from happening in the future. And uh, until there is I mean, we have a you're right. We don't have control. We have a little bit of influence. Most of that influence is on domestic policy. Very little, little to no influence on foreign policy. That's because the U.S. doesn't have an anti-war movement, and that's something we have to build, right? And right, well, even if we did, foreign policy, as far as I understand it, is pretty much cut and dry, shot out of the executive branch into the world. Um, You know, the president could pretty much declare a war without congressional approval, and then just go get it later. Um, So that's again the weak state that our movement is in right now, but. If that's true, then why not even more flex your actual positions in the areas you control? You mean as uh, Congress people? Yeah, for you know whatever whatever positions you already have in. Yeah, they should. I think. Um, I mean, I think they need to be tied together, right? Uh, because that's the you know if you look at it from a uh, Marxist point of view, it can be very like sort of. Um, discouraging to think about foreign policy and imperialism because it's we, true. Because I feel it's discouraged like, often. Well, yeah, but I mean, about everything in general, but especially that, because when you, when you consider uh, the workplace and the, the little pieces of leverage that the working class has as really the only way to affect change, it's very hard to connect that to foreign policy, but it's been done. It has been done historically. And in some of not our, almost in our lifetimes too, in the 1980s, there was uh, something something that's uh, <clears throat> that's also been memory hold is the anti-war movement in the 1980s when Reagan was in power. Um, that really, I've, I, again, I've said this before. Sorry to repeat myself a million times, but um, constrained Reagan's activity in in Nicaragua. They prevented a war. A lot of people in the Reagan administration wanted a land invasion of Nicaragua. And because of this um, this movement that was connected to workers' movements internationally and domestically, had a working class, you know, sort of basis, as well as you know, people who were academics and students and all that stuff too. Um, they were able to really, you know, prevent things. And unfortunately, his, you know, you don't you don't really think it's kind of the count like the counterfactual thing, right? You don't sit around thinking about like, oh, wow, that's so great that those people stopped that bad thing from happening. You just take for granted that the bad thing didn't happen. And you focus on the other shitty things that happened uh, instead that weren't as bad. Or you think about the good things that break through, you know, but there really was a, an active and mass movement that um, helps lead to nuclear detente with the Soviet Union. Unfortunately, it didn't lead to, you know, eliminating nuclear weapons. Um, but this stuff has been done. So it is possible to build a movement that um, is, you know, fighting for workers' rights and, and economic justice. It is also connected to not that they're necessarily different things, but is also fighting for um, people around the world who are under the yoke of U.S. imperialism. Well, the the addition of organized labor, I think, is the key difference there. If you compare, if you're arguing there was a successful anti-war movement in the 80s, contrast that with the completely defeated anti-war movement in the 2000s that was completely unable to stop the Iraq War uh, with even bigger numbers in the uh, demonstrations in the streets. The difference has to be, you know, uh, labor organization. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a huge membership. part of it. I think it's a huge. And part there's of a it. huge difference between '80s union representation and the 2000s, where it's at right. historic lows. Yeah, yeah. And you had, you know, Obama really sucked the wind out of the anti-war movement in America too. I mean, it is interesting. He didn't put about- any of those people in jail. That would have been <laughs> that would have been a good start. <laughs> 
You mean not? He could have gotten away with so much stuff, right? When when he got in, and it was like a national mandate to go smash the Republicans, and instead, none of that happened. Yeah. Ugh. And he's just reviewing giraffes on Netflix. This is the worst version of the world. (laughs) It's infuriating. Makes me mad. I just found a book on the uh, sidewalk from 2010. That's about. a, a left-wing critique of the Obama administration that I um, now that's a re- sidewalk book, right? I don't. I'm going to get furious if I if I read it, relive it. Um, but another thing we should talk about, okay? Now that we're the international front, the international beat. It's called the foreign policy. I love beat, being on that beat. Is there was a journalist in Palestine who was. How do I do this in a uh, sensitive way? Was murdered, shot in the face. Yeah, she or wait. What are some of the euphemisms that are being used by the uh, the business press? The New York um, Times. Was the like, most egregious one. I don't remember which press outfit said this. Said a she was hit in the head with a bullet. <sighs> Palestinian I mean, lifelong Palestinian rights journalist, uh, fifty-one years old, shot in the head, executed by the army was bonked by uh, deadly munitions and a terrible whoopsie out in, out in the out in the field. Right. And they're trying to say that they don't know where the bullet came from. And almost like, you know, I've been uh, listening on tape to the devil's chessboard. Shireen Abu Akhle. Yeah. Um, and there's the magic bullet theory, right, with JFK, right? The bullet supposedly, according to Arlen Specter, by the way, who coined who came up with this theory, the same bullet killed Kennedy and the and went through the governor's like shoulder or whatever. And it like yeah. supposedly spun around, went up in the air and came back and was like physically impossible. Um basically that same thing is being sort of trotted out by the Israelis. They're like, Oh yeah, that bullet uh went down a street, tur- took a right turn, and then went forward the other way and just happened to hit this woman in the head because according to them, it must've been the Palestinians who did it, but they were in a different part of the neighborhood. They were like several blocks away. The, the only explanation for it is clearly that, the, that may IDF. have been charted out yesterday. I thought I saw it today that the IDF is just admitting they did it by this point. Okay. The new well, line the- is that the Palestinians are armed with cameras and microphones. And so it's a, munitions conflict and not just shooting journalists <laughs> yeah and to make matters worse this was pretty amazing just the goal here but the idf attacked her funeral i don't know how else to describe it but they were taking her coffin out of the building and all these soldiers with batons come out and just start whacking people and dragging them away from it. Yeah, it really shows it shows what point you're at that you are just beyond media blowback. Um, You know, you know, something like this is going to be captured, but it just doesn't matter anymore. I saw a video of a uh, Palestinian settlement being raided and um, people stealing all of the belongings out of it while everyone was distracted with the funeral raid. So uh, there's a full settler operation happening in, in the country and they just won't stop until they've completely extracted all of the resources and value they can from this beleaguered population. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it seems like they're just kind of flaunting their, power their uh lack of just any consideration for um palestinian life arab life i I think the calculation is like what could we do that would affect american support of israel propping up you know our, our military our police forces giving us all this extra money every year, our strong diplomatic ties with them. And they're, they have correctly calculated nothing, nothing they do will affect our support for them because we are using them in our foreign policy, the way that 
they are using us, except far less effectively because they do things like side against us for the Ukraine invasion and uh, don't play ball with Saudi Arabia the way we want them to and a hundred other things. They have their own national uh, prerogative, but it's just they've figured out there's nothing they can do that's going to cut off American sport. Yeah. I mean, the hope is that they will like step on their own toes eventually. I mean, this is 10 years ago now, I believe, maybe even longer. But uh, Norman Finkelstein, I remember, called Israel a lunatic state under Netanyahu. Um, And it's not, you know, it's gotten worse, I think. Um, And the only way I see out of this is that they just keep sinking lower and lower and lower and they just you know become they delegitimize themselves like that's the only way i think it's gonna happen but to who (laughs) i I don't think it would have to be so bad (laughs) that the u.s doesn't have like like with south africa eventually it just didn't make sense for them to be part of our diplomatic like you know maybe that is the case to study i mean if you look at all of the international you know un votes on war crimes in israel or acts of aggression it's everyone in the world against our vote and theirs regularly so uh we're the only pin left to fall there is opposition in israel but i feel like those people are probably in the exact same position we're in in america and a point of you know, total sideline booing. Yeah. I mean, if you think the squad is bad, look at like the Israeli left that they have in their, in their, uh, (laughs) I guess that in that way it could be worse. That's a good point of view. But yeah, I mean, it's, of course you don't want to be historically deterministic about it, right? They're not, it's not going to happen without um, movement. Uh, And you know, the, the press, right. The, The media coverage, I think that's, slowly starting to change in the u.s because it's way you know it I, on the other hand the, the the coverage is worse in america or has been uh than it is in israel they're less honest in america about israel than media in israel is about their own country um, yeah the actual culture of, to change the culture of israel sport in america is really generationally divided too yeah because the people our parents' age uh, were a lot closer to the founding of the country where it was much more uh, popular for liberals and, you know, the Socialists. American diaspora in general, socialists, to yeah. uh, maybe support the... I don't, I don't know if uh, socialists were supporting Israel before. No, Israel could have been in a bunch of different places. So there's a whole struggle there, but... Yeah, but, the, but uh, they were, you know, the real friction began in the early 80s but before that a lot of people saw zionism as a socialist project right because there's that kibbutzim. sounds crazy to me it, in retrospect it is <laughs> but but kibbutzes are you know bernie sanders lived on a kibbutz right like so uh, it's communal living right so a lot of american social socialists many of whom historically have yeah. been jewish uh supported Israel very strongly. Well, it's not the and communal the living part of it. To... It's not the communal living part of it that seems absurd to support as a socialist. It's the uh, ethno nationalism, of course. Which seems of course, like it yeah. runs counter to the entire uh, program, right. but I don't know. Yeah, All right. of course, and you know the but that started once. Uh, I think, and that was kind of the first part of uh, the U.S. to sort of turn on Israel was the left. Right. And it, for a long time, that's been the only part other than the far right, you know, um, but now we're starting to see more of the uh, quote unquote mainstream to use a sort of a buzzword. Well, I think um, average Americans are really wondering what utility we have sending all this money to this other country that makes everyone so mad at them all the time. Like, yeah. even if you're not that. uh I don't know, morally influenced in politics or even that politically savvy, it doesn't make sense on paper until you understand that we're just empire building and this is one of our cronies we have in a strategic position. Um, Hope the needle on that moves soon. But as we come around to the end here, what is a fun thing we can close out on? Again, it is Friday night. Ooh, I got one. We all got our 
our soda cans cracked. What is it? What's up? So I haven't been watching this. I saw the trailer and it didn't honestly didn't look different enough from the game to make me want to watch it because I was intrigued. Uh, the Halo show. Um, I was really excited, honestly, when they said Peter Jackson was going to make a Halo movie like 20 years ago now. Are you a Halo man? I played it at friends houses. Growing up, um, I haven't played whatever the new version is. Uh, but Master Chief, he's in it. He's got a jetpack, right? And he, you actually, apparently, you actually see his face, and he's, unless I'm mistaken, I'm pretty sure this is the guy from The Wire season two, who's, uh, I forget what his name is, but he's like kind of the brooding, um, the guy who has the the goose. Goose. That's what I remember from the wire season two. There's a that guy might who be his has name. a pet goose. No, I don't think that's his name. I fuck, I forget what his name is, but he's not Ziggy. He's like Ziggy's brother or cousin or something like that. Anyway, apparently he as Master Chief in uh episode eight loses Master Chief loses his virginity, which I didn't know he was a virgin. I didn't even know he had a face. But this has made a lot of fans mad. Um, but apparently he was had never had sex due to being kidnapped into Spartan, the Spartan program as a child. I thought that they had a Clone Wars thing going and Master Chief was one of the clones. Is that not the case? I have no idea. I'm just reading this now uh, as, you know, someone who. I'm just now getting the news. at a late age. I'm also, uh, you know, I do. You support like this direction for Master Chief, you're saying? Well, I don't know how I feel about him losing his virginity, but just having a badass guy. But he gets to have sex with Cortana, virgin. right? Yes. A little think woman who lives he, in the computer? I think that's who he has sex with. Oh, no. Wait, this says she's he doesn't have sex with her, but she is watching the whole time. I don't know about that. So that's kind of like a Blade Runner 2049 situation yeah. cortana's watching because yeah, how would. would you make love to i that feels like cheating on cortana yeah i don't know i mean they'll have to do like a ganguro girl master chief game now you know where it's just like dating but in the halo universe it's so hard to date when you're master chief yeah you're wearing that big green suit all the time right people don't know what you look like under the big green suit they don't. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the uh, uh, Boba Fett. It's very similar to Boba Fett. And that's something we should all keep an eye out for in the future. I hope the Needler is in the show. And cool. I hope I hope everyone has a good time watching that. Yeah. I mean, and I hope it's not literally just like you're watching someone play the video game, which is what the trailer looked like. Like that's you got to get the live action. That's, you know, that's what I wanted to see with Peter Jackson. Get fucking Orlando Bloom out there running around shooting people with an actual needle gun. Film film it in real life. Get people killed. And then uh, we'll watch it. It'll be a lot of fun. Make sure you have a Master Chief who actually knows how to ride a horse. And that will make the scenes where he's on the horse look more natural. Mm. Vigo Mortensen, famously, master horse rider. That's how he's getting the role in Hidalgo. That's how he is inheriting the role of Aragorn, son of Arathorn. Aragorn. Wow. All right. Well, I think that is ending on a high note. By the way, I was thinking of Ziggy. Ziggy has a duck, not a goose. Ziggy. Yeah. Who's Ziggy's cousin? Who's the other guy? I don't fucking remember, but I I thought the duck was a goose for crying out loud, but RIP to that duck. Dying of the alcohol duck, poisoning. Yeah, they fed it beer. That's not, don't do that. And then it dies. And that's what happens if you feed a duck beer because they can't have that. They're it's ducks. No good. Ducks can't have beer. And that's what I wanted to say. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us and keeping it cool. Yep. Let's do plugs and head out to school. I'm 31 years old. On Anders, what do you Saturday, have to plug this week? At Anders Lear on Twitter. Dursley one on Instagram. And um, I think that's kind of it. There are a lot of shows that we're doing with paid protest that you can come out to if you are in the tri-state area. So come to those. Nick Sabatka is the guy's name. 
Oh, yes. That's a uh, my plug is for Nick Sabaka. Uh, the next paid protest, May 20th. Uh, Anders is going to be there with Kath and Simone. It's for the anti war working group at Secret Loft. Doors at eight. And that is next Friday, May 20th. You got to be there. Go ahead and stop the war. Um, any other shows I'm on, you can see on my Twitter when I share them at Patak Test Kitchen your number one stop for exciting new flavors. I'll be sure to put anything I'm working on up there. I also started a TikTok. Really? I'm, yeah, I'm doing things like uh, I do a word of the day series. And uh, I did I did what if the there will be blood guy was Peter Griffin. I drank a milkshake. Yeah, well, I did it the other way, but you, you never know what way that I'll be doing these great voices to become the most famous man in 2008. The year of our Lord. Uh, oh, so you so, did it like, hey, Lois. Like that? That is exactly what I did. Okay. And there may be some more. I'm pranking my wife on there. I'm pranking her right now. Whoa. We're recording a podcast at midnight on Friday uh, in the same room as her. So Sorry. that's going to be it for us right now. And uh, just fucking check back in, huh? Check it. Okay. It's finished.